continue our series called Connect, and um, just a, what I think is a funny story, you, whether you'll think it's funny or not, I don't know, but uh, I talked to a, a pastor friend of mine this week, and he said that he preached on the subject of not forsaking the assembly and, and making sure that you're here as a part of the uh, worship service on a regular basis, and he said, and it was amazing, like these people just started coming. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He, said, he, he preaches at a church that has two services. And he said, yeah, I preached in the first service that message. And somebody watched it at home and literally got ready and came to the second service so they could be a part of it. And so I thought, wow, that's amazing. I preached on that passage this week, too. So I'm expecting just huge crowds today. Sometimes our expectations are not met, but that's okay. Um, today we are going to be looking at several passages from the book of Proverbs. So if you'd like to follow along in your own Bible, you are welcome to do that, but it might be easier and quicker to do this on the screen. But if you are a stickler for that, we're going to start with Proverbs 17. Now, this is wisdom literature. It is written so that we understand what God is saying to us in terms of what is wise and what is good for us to follow. So let's hear what God has to say from the book of Proverbs. And there is a theme. See if you can pick it up. It's not that hard. But see if you can pick it up. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And then Proverbs 27, 9 through 10. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Let me pray for us. Lord, we are thankful. Whether we are few or many, uh, we are here to worship. Uh, we are here to give you glory. We are here because you have loved us and brought us into uh, your family. Those of us who believe, and even those of us who do not yet believe, if we are here today, you brought us here for your purposes. So Holy Spirit, will you have your way? Uh, do the work that you want to do in our hearts and our minds and our lives today. Uh, for the glory of our one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we would see more of what your wisdom is, and we would see more of Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. When, uh, I, was, when I was a kid, I had some best buds, and we did almost everything together. 
We especially love playing hide and seek. And in rural eastern North Carolina, there are lots of good places to hide, let me tell you. We could play hide and seek for hours, literally hours, because you know, good friends are hard to find. I couldn't help myself. You know what else is hard to find? Sermons on friendship. Now I know if you got on your computer or on your iPhone or whatever and you Googled friendship sermons, you could find some. But honestly, I have never preached a sermon on friendship. At least until today. (laughs) And I've never listened to a sermon on friendship. And that may be the case for some of you as well. We've heard sermons on relationships in general, but what about what God's Word says in the specific area of friendship? And I wonder if the reason that friendship sermons are rare is because we don't think we need them. Maybe you're even thinking, I don't need a sermon on friendship. I do friendships just fine. Thank you very much. I got friends. Well, I hope you understand that the very fact that I am preaching this sermon this morning demonstrates that I believe that those thoughts, if we have them, need to be challenged at least a little bit. I believe we need a sermon, maybe even more than one sermon on friendship. And so, since we've been talking about connection, the overarching idea of this particular sermon is connect with friends. That's what we're going to be talking about today. You want to make connections? Connect with friends. And the first thing I think we need to see from the scriptures is that God actually cares enough about friendship to speak to it to give us some of his wisdom about what it means to have friends and what those friendships should look like. For example, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. Or Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Or Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Proverbs 27.9, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. And then there's Proverbs 27.10, do not forsake your friend. So obviously, God wants us to know something about friendship. He didn't ignore the topic, right? God wants us to connect with friends. He wants us to have friends. God made us for relationship, and one of the relationships that we need is friendship. One of the uh, sad realities of our day, however, is that friendship in our society isn't what it used to be, or what it could be, or maybe even what it should be. Um, Back in 1985, there was a study that reported that the average American had about three friends. And this 
report defined friend as this, someone I can confide in, someone with whom I share the most important things in life. That's what they defined as a friend. Someone whom I confide, I do confine in, I, I confine in, confide in them. Not that I could, but I do. And someone that I share the most important things in life. Three, for the average American. In 2004, a similar study was done, and that number of friends dropped to two. And that study in 2004 also said that one out of four Americans had no one that they could call a friend, according to this definition. One out of four. A recent study, more recent than 2004, reported that two out of five Americans say that they sometimes or always feel that their social relationships are not meaningful. One out of five say that they feel lonely or socially isolated. I bet that number has gone up since COVID. And it's not just a problem in America. Did you know that in the United Kingdom, they now have an appointed minister for loneliness? And this minister for loneliness is tasked with the idea of trying to help people address the problems of widespread isolation and social detachment. And then, and this surprised me as I was doing my research for this sermon, uh, there is a growing popularity of a website. Wait for it. Rentafriend.com. That's a real thing. Rentafriend.com. At rentafriend.com, you can rent friends. You can rent a friend to go to see a movie. You can rent a friend to go have a dinner with. You can rent a friend to go help you in the garden. Whatever it is that you want a friend for, you can rent a friend by going to this website. Now, maybe you're thinking, that's ridiculous. There's no way I would go online to rent a friend. But the very fact that there is such a thing tells us that there is a problem in our society. And maybe the church ought to pay attention to it. Maybe the church ought to invest in it. God wired us for relationship and that means God wired us for friendship, and we need to connect with friends. And, and I want to say this, friendship is more important than we typically think, okay? Friendship is more important than we typically think. I know how I would feel if I was sitting out there listening to this sermon, at least a few weeks ago. I would say, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? Why are we talking about friendships? We need to be talking about Jesus. Look, we'll get there. But we need to be talking about other things, not friendship. And I'm sorry to say that that would have been my attitude, even just a few weeks ago. But I believe that God has shown me through the scriptures that friendship is much more important than we typically think. 
Did you know, and, and, and there are studies that show this, that social isolation, being lonely, significantly increases your risk of premature death from all causes. And that even rivals the risk from smoking, obesity, and from physical inactivity. Just being friendless. Social isolation also is associated with a 50% increase in the risk of dementia. 50% increase. And loneliness, of course, is associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. And all of those things are running rampant in our society today. Friendships are important. Again, God created us for relationship, and one of those important relationships is friendship. And here's where I think we, even if we say, yeah, we need a, we need a sermon on friendship, here's where I think we, sometimes even as the church, we've extended the idea of friend to the point of meaninglessness. Basically, anyone who is nice to us we say, oh yeah, that's my friend. But the truth is, they're more acquaintances. Remember that definition that the uh, report gave of what a friend is? Someone who I can confide in? Someone whom I share the most important things of my life? If we're calling people friends who basically know nothing about us, they're just nice to us, then that's not the kind of friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's not the kind of friend who loves each other at all times through the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's not the kind of friends who give earnest counsel and even give faithful wounds who are meant to help. And, and folks, believe me, I hate going here. I hate this because I was born and raised in the South. I am a Southerner. But Southerners, generally speaking, and I'm talking about myself too, we can really be good at being friendly, but not so great at being a friend. You know the difference between the two? Let me give you an illustration of this. I know someone who went to a church and they said, that church was the most friendly church I have ever been a part of. I mean, people just came up to me. It was my first time and people just came to me and they talked to me and they, they welcomed me and they said, hey, it's great to have you here. My name is so-and-so. What's your name? And, and they said, here's the bathroom. They're, they're really friendly, friendly people. And so they kept going. Three or four weeks later, no one was talking to them. It was a friendly church for someone who was first coming in, but the person wasn't able to make a friend. At some point, we have to realize that our definitions of friendship, they sometimes seem shallow. Because being friendly is not the same thing as being a friend. I 
love this quote from Drew Hunter in a book called Made for Friendship. And if this sermon stirs up anything in you, I would recommend getting that book. This is one of the books that helped change my mind about how I am viewing friendships. This is the quote from Drew Hunter. Churches often talk about community. Hello, that's part of our, our vision statement, right? Commu- worship community growth. Community is right there in the middle. Churches often talk about community, which is good, but they don't often talk about friendship, which is not good. We encourage community in general, but we forget friendship in particular. But while we can be in community with hundreds, we can only experience true friendship with a few. And that's because true friendship is more than just skimming the surface. It's more than just talking about the weather or sports or TV or movies or the book you just read. It does include those things, but it goes deeper. Uh, Some of you know that right before uh, COVID hit us, Don and I went on a um, anniversary trip and we went on a cruise. And for the first time ever, both of us went snorkeling. I don't know if any of you have ever been snorkeling, but it um, it was a great experience. And what they did was they got us in a boat and they drove us way out into the ocean. And then they just, you know, they said, okay, go out there. And I was a little scared, to be honest, because I'm not a great swimmer. But, you know, they gave you the the stuff to keep you afloat and and all. But anyway, you've got this, this tube that comes up and you just stick your head in and you can look down and you can see all these fish. And it was amazing to see those beautiful fish way down in the depths. And it was beautiful. It was wonderful. But you know what? There's a difference between skimming on the surface and looking down at something beautiful and deep sea diving into what is beautiful and being right in the midst of it. Right? And that's what we often do in friendships. We just stay on the surface. We just skim on the surface. We're snorkeling our friendships rather than going deep. We need some deep sea diving with friendships. And you know why? Because J.C. Ryle, you've heard a quote from him before. Here's another quote. I believe this is a beautiful quote that reminds us of why we need friends. This world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It is a dark place. It is a lonely place. It is a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. Let me say that again. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. And let me just tell you, my homeboy JC didn't just make that up out of thin air, okay? He actually got that from the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Here's what it says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. 
Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Look, all this tells us that friendships are important. God wired us for relationship, so he wired us for friendships. Friendships are important. We need them. We need to connect with friends. And we all need to connect with friends because we all need the mutual benefits that come with friendship. We all need the mutual benefits that come with friendship. That's what these passages from Proverbs show us. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. Let me ask you, do you want someone who will love you when you are at your worst? Do you want someone who will love you through the good times and the bad times and the indifferent times? Do you want someone who will care about you even when your breath stinks and your hair's messy and your clothes are wrinkly and you're kind of gassy? Yes, you do. You want someone who will love you warts and all. Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin. Does that sound like any of us? We have many companions. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Don't you want someone who is such a friend to you that even your own siblings are, seem a little distant compared to your friend? Proverbs 27.10, better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. There are times, I have a sister, my sister lives up in North Carolina, and she's far away. You know, it's five hours at least. So whenever something comes up, I don't pick up the phone and call my sister to say, hey, can you help me? I call someone around me, someone who is close by, someone who is a friend who will be of help. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, this is one we don't really like that much. But a good friend is willing to go there with you. A good friend is willing to point out when you've got something in your teeth. You know, a good friend is willing to say, hey, you've got a spot on your sweater, which I do. A good friend is someone who is going to tell you where your blind spots are because they care about you, they love you, they are faithful to you, and they want to give you what is good. And that's where Proverbs 27, 9 tells us that oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Don't we all want someone who will earnestly, sincerely, thoughtfully, purposefully, heartfeltly give us advice when we need it? And sometimes when we don't need it. That's just what a friend does, right? And then, if you don't believe any of what I'm saying, at least listen to what God says in Proverbs 27.10. Do not forsake your friend. Right? If you have a friend, you don't forsake that friend. There is a friend that sticks closer 
than a brother. A friend loves at all times. Things may get rocky, things may get messy, things may have to cool off for a while, but don't forsake the friend. Look, we all want someone who embodies those things, don't we? We all want someone who, you know, the theme song of uh, Friends, I'll be there for you. We want someone who will say, I'll be there for you. We, we all want to have friends who will help us approach life with a little help from them, right? We all want friends who are there for us because that's what friends are for. We all want friends, those folks that we can look at and we can say thank you for being a friend. And if you think about it, we all need to be able to say to someone else, you've got a friend in me. You, you know why? We need friends, not just for what they give us, but for what we give to them. See, this is the tricky part about friendship. Friendship is contrary to the bent of our souls. Because we're all sinners. And you know what sin does? Sin folds us in on ourselves. We become self-centered, self-obsessed, self-focused. We want to put the emphasis on ourselves, but friendship calls us to bring us out of that, to give to others. And folks, in our sinful, stressed, and hyper-individualistic society, it is probably not hyperbole to say that we, I, need friends now more than ever. So I hope I've made a case for why we need to connect with friends. And now I want to try to switch gears and show you how we can do that. But we got to start, you know me, you got to start with Jesus. What is it that grounds our friendships with others? Well, for the Christian, what grounds our friendships as Christians is Christ's friendship with us. You want to start with what a friend looks like? You look to Jesus, what he has done for us as a friend. Listen to these powerful words that come from uh, John 15, where the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the very God in the flesh, come down to earth, speaks to his disciples. He says in verse 12 in chapter 15, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And how has he loved us? Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. 
Think about that for a minute. If you are a follower of Christ, He's not only your Savior, He's not only your Lord, He's not only your God, He is your friend. He calls you friend. And Jesus is a friend who laid down His life for us when He died on a cross. Jesus is a friend who rose from the dead so that He could give us abundant life. Not keep it for Himself, but give to us. Jesus is the kind of friend who is not ashamed to call us His brothers and sisters, but He's also a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is a friend who loves us at all times, even when we're at our worst. Jesus is a faithful friend who sometimes tells us hard things about ourselves. But he does it as a faithful friend who loves us and wants what is truly best for us. Jesus is the friend whose counsel is the sweetest and the most earnest. Jesus is the friend who will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Jesus is the friend who is always near to us. And Jesus is the best friend any of us could ever hope for. That's Jesus, our friend. And because Jesus has befriended us this way, we too can reach out to others and befriend them. We can connect with friends. We can make friends. And we can engage with friends, not just on the surface, but in the depths of what's really going on in our lives. So what is your action point? It should be fairly obvious, but just to state the obvious, pursue and deepen friendships. That's what God is calling us to do. Pursue and deepen friendships. And maybe you're thinking, okay, how do I do that? Well, here are some thoughts. First, start with the people you already know. You already know some friends. You already have some friends. Start there. Maybe it's time also to bring in some new friends into your relationships. Not just stick with the ones you always have had, but bring in some other people. So you can start with someone you don't really know that well at all and just start moving in that direction. How can you deepen those friendships? How can you pursue them? Maybe you're thinking, well, I've tried to pursue friends and it doesn't work. I've tried to deepen friendships and it doesn't work. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Know what it's like. But pursuing and deepening friendships isn't science, okay? It's just showing up and continuing to pursue, continuing to try to deepen. You can't push friendship. You can't force friendship, but you can cultivate it. So invite people to do things with you. I read this very sad quote this week where a, a man said, I get up, I go to work, I come home, I watch television until I fall asleep. That's my life. 
Okay, so if you're in that situation, what can you do? You say, well, I can't do anything at work. Okay, why don't you invite someone over to your home at least sometime just to watch TV with you? That's something a friend can do. Or ask someone out to coffee. Ask someone out to have lunch with you. Ask someone over to your home to get to know them. You can invite people to do things with you. That's doing something side by side. That's one of the ways that you pursue and deepen friendships. Doing things side by side. Whatever it is, eating, drinking, having a good time, whatever it might be, side by side. But in order to deepen friendships, you also have to do face to face. You have to open up and share. Some of you will remember um, one of our members, one of our past members, uh, Steve Pink. He was here. He was a part of Young Life, and um, Steve was a, a riot. But one of the things that I loved about Steve is that uh, he was willing to meet with me anytime I wanted to meet with him, and we could share stuff together. And one day he gave me this illustration, and it has stuck with me because I said, you know, sometimes I have a difficult time really engaging with new people. And I really want to just like, you know, I want to get better at that. And he said, it's like exchanging money. You don't start by exchanging $20 bills. You start with the pennies. You start with the little stuff. And then you build up to nickels. And then you build up to dimes. And then you build up to quarters. And eventually, the next thing you know, you're sharing $20, and $20 bills and $100 bills. You're going back and forth. It, it, it's similar to that when it comes to communicating and opening up. You don't meet someone for the first time and then go really deep with them. That's a surefire way of scaring them away. But you don't give up on going deep. You just keep trying to do the exchanges and see where it goes. Now, before we, we close for the day, there is a few things that I do want to address. One is a lie. A lie that I think a lot of us believe. And if the truth is what sets you free, I want you to be set free from this lie today. Because one of the lies we often believe is that good friendships just happen naturally. That good friendships just happen Naturally, I, I, I go to someone and we hit it off and we really enjoy one another's company. And that means we're good friends. But eventually the chemistry will wear off. Or at least wear thin. Now what makes for good, deep friendships is time spent together. Things shared together, side by side and face to face. And so I want to give you an example of this in just a minute. Another lie is that we believe I have to have a whole lot in common with this person or else I cannot be their friend. Again, that's a lie. You don't have, it's hard to find someone you don't have anything in common. For the Christian, at the very least, you have these things in common. You're a sinner, and you believe in Jesus, and you, because of that, you have eternal life. If nothing else, you have those two things in common. All right? So you can at least start there. 
But a lot of people think that relationships have to start because there's, there's some kind of chemistry. And a lot of people think that I can't be a friend with someone who is very different from me. Well, I want to give you the example of uh, two very different people, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia. Some of you know who I'm talking about. It's hard to think of two people that are so different politically and ideologically getting along. And yet they not only got along, I don't know if you knew this or not, they considered each other good friends. Such good friends, they were friends for decades. Such good friends, they even spent holidays together with their, each other's families. Want proof of it? Here's a photo. That is Scalia and Bader Ginsburg riding an elephant together on a vacation. And they both look happy. I know you can't, probably can't see that from here, but... According to Scalia's son, his father was one of the few people in the world who could actually make Bader Ginsburg laugh out loud. And when Chief Justice John Roberts announced the death of Bader Ginsburg's husband back in 2010, Scalia wept in front of everyone on the bench. And Bader Ginsburg said of Scalia, <laughs> I love this quote, as annoyed as you might be about his zinging descent, he's so utterly charming, so amusing, so sometimes outrageous, you can't help but say, I'm glad that he's my friend. Wow. Now, if that doesn't prove that you can be a friend with someone whom you're very different with in some ways, I don't know what can. Here's what we need to do. Connect with friends. Find ways to pursue and deepen those relationships. And you can do that because of your friendship with Jesus. He will empower you to pursue those friends that you were designed to be friends with. So folks, because of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit, let's connect often and well with friends. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your friendship to us. We, we don't deserve that kind of mercy and kindness. We don't deserve that kind of love. To call us your friends, it's really overwhelming. It's one thing to think of us as children who need discipline. It's another thing to think of us as someone who needs to be saved, rescued, but to see us as friends, that is overwhelming. Let that overwhelming truth fill our hearts that we will see you for who you are and we will respond not only in loving you more, but in reaching out to others in friendship. Help us to deepen and pursue friendships with others. We ask this, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen.